by in and of ourselves are entirely powerless to do what Jesus has commanded. I mean, seriously, just think about it. You and I are to go therefore and make disciples out of rebels. We're to turn haters of God from the heart to those who love him, trust him, obey him, and serve him. And even share him in the end, right? Because there's supposed to be disciples who make disciples. We are, in fact, trying to bring spiritually dead people to life. If that sounds impossible for you to do, like, hey, just go do that real quick. You know, come back when you've done it. If that sounds impossible, that's because it is. Jesus said as much in Matthew uh, 19, 24 to 26, he said, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. There's, of course, a dot, dot, dot there. Like, we'll get to the second part of that verse later. Uh, but with man, this is impossible. And again, Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So you and I, in and of ourselves, are completely incapable, incompetent, and powerless to do what Jesus has called us to do. Our mission really is impossible for us to accomplish. So we might as well go home, right? Pack up, go home. We got nothing left to do. Why bother trying, even attempting, giving our energy, even sacrificing to fulfill a mission that we cannot accomplish, that we are incapable of accomplishing? Well, that leads to the second half of number one that I really want you to get a hold of. This is just a foundational reality that you need to understand. The church is incapable, but the church cannot fail. I don't mean that it would just be really bad if the church failed. I mean, we cannot. It is an impossibility that the church, the universal church, will fail at the mission Jesus has given us. Matthew 5, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is going to build his church exactly to the size and shape that he wants it to be. I will build my church in the gates of hell. So no, no plans of man or of Satan will thwart him. Jesus says uh, there in uh, Mark 24, 14, you see. Oh, by the way, just thinking about it, our the fullness of, of our commission, our mission is to make disciples of all nations. It's not just uh, our neighbors, it's all nations to the end of the earth. But this is what Jesus says, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Is the end going to come, friends? Is there going to be a day of the Lord? Will there be a second advent where Jesus comes back to make all things right? Yes, there is going to be. Otherwise, we have zero hope. But we know this to be true. Jesus has promised that it will happen and it will surely happen. And Jesus said, though, 
it will not happen until the gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed to all nations. Then the end will come. So just as surely as the day of the Lord will come, the mission of the church will be fulfilled. And we even see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, a, a heavenly vision that God gives the, the apostle Paul. He says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude, this is in heaven, that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne before the lamb clothed in white robes what does that mean well at the end of time when the end comes there will be people from all nations tribes tongues peoples they will have heard the gospel of jesus christ and some from each of those will have believed. So we need to understand this, okay? Jesus is not up in heaven, pacing back and forth, anxiously wondering if the church is going to fulfill his mission. No, he has given the master's mission and he has zero doubt. He is 100% certain that the mission will be accomplished. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The end will come and he's already shown us a picture of the end when there are people from all nations there and this will happen through the church jesus is certain that our mission that we have been given will be accomplished and here's what i want you to understand i want you to believe that just as much as jesus believes that just as much as jesus has full confidence that he can bring this this mission to completion through the church through you and I, through the church down the road, that he can do that. I want you to be just as confident. See, this is just a foundational truth, this idea that the church is incapable, but the church cannot fail because it would be foolish for us to go out into the world believing that we can save it. It would be foolish because we cannot, and Jesus has told us as much. With man, this is impossible. But, it would be equally foolish to say, well, it, it can't happen anyways. We're just going to fail, so why bother trying? It, it would be equally foolish. And so those are the two truths that we need to hold in tension, that we need to hold on to both of these truths. I, I can't do it, but I can't fail at it. <laughs> we need to hold on to those truths when we see how Jesus ended the Great Commission. Because Jesus didn't end the Great Commission with the command of what we need to accomplish. He ended the Great Commission with how we would accomplish it. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We need to understand how significant those words would have been. This is not just some mere man, mere mortal. This isn't just sentiment. This is the resurrected king talking to them. They are talking, they are listening to a man who they watched get crucified on a cross. A man who they put in a tomb, but then three days later wasn't there. This is a man who Satan assailed 
the, the religious elites, the Jewish elites opposed him and that the greatest empire, the strongest empire in the world at that time crucified, right? I mean, it just doesn't get much worse than that of enemies. And yet here he stood alive and well, victorious and undefeated. This is Jesus. This is the one who is telling them, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And so what we need to see from this is though the church is incapable, the church cannot fail. Why? Because of this. Number two, Jesus' presence brings Jesus' power. Jesus' presence brings Jesus' power. And this is how the Great Commission, the Master's mission will be accomplished through the church. And that includes you and I, if we will let him. Now we need to think about this again. I just want to make this as real to you as possible. When Jesus said, I will be with you always, he wasn't just trying to make his disciples or us feel warm and cozy and fuzzy inside. You know, maybe you've had a friend who they were, they were a close friend to you, but they had to move away, maybe to the other side of the country or something like that. And, and maybe they said, don't worry, I'll always be with you in your heart. Yeah. Eh, that's a nice sentiment, right? <laughs> but it's really pretty meaningless. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I will remember you and I'll always think of you fondly, but you won't actually be with me. It won't actually do me any good uh, that you'll quote unquote still be with me because you won't. You'll be away. But with Jesus, it is different. Jesus is actually with you today if you are a Christian. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ with us Always. This isn't at occasional times. This isn't he comes and goes as he pleases. It does, it's not even that he, he goes away when we're not being as good as we should be. We always, always have the presence of the resurrected, victorious Jesus with us. If you're a Christian, you have Jesus living inside of you. And Jesus' presence brings Jesus power. That's the whole reason he bothers to tell them, I'll be with you, because he has just given them an impossible task that could not be accomplished apart from his power. Now, I'm a, sort of a practical person. I don't like vague things like, don't worry, you'll accomplish it because I'll be with you. You know, like uh, that, that's helpful, and, and, but that makes me just wanna dig deeper. That makes me wanna say, okay, but what will that actually look like in my life? What would it be like to experience Jesus' power because I have his presence? Like, how is Jesus being with me help me to get engaged in and to accomplish the master's mission? So that's what I wanna do for you. I'll just give you three of the most practical ways that the Bible tells us and that I've seen in my own life that Jesus' presence enables us to do this impossible thing of the master's mission. First, Jesus gives supernatural power. You might laugh at that. Okay, Jesus is going to give me supernatural power. Like I, I live in Ringgold, you know, I shop at Aldi's. Like I don't think I'm just like a great candidate for supernatural power. 
Here's what you need to understand. Without supernatural power, you can do nothing of the Great Commission. Zero. Because it is a supernatural need. It is a spiritual need. Belief to faith or unbelief to faith. Hatred to love of God. Death to life. There is a supernatural need. Therefore, the only way we have any hope at all at all of doing anything for Jesus is if he is giving us supernatural power. I'm not saying that that you're going to turn water into wine, that you're going to go walking on water. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying Jesus couldn't do it through you, but I'm saying that's probably not what's going to happen. But what I'm saying is Jesus can and does give very, very normal people the power to do supernatural things. His supernatural power flows through them. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. This is after some miracles, okay? Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. You, normal disciple of Jesus, will be able to do greater works than the ones that Jesus had just done at this moment. But Jesus kind of put a, a, a kind of a, a contingent there, uh, uh, because I am going to the Father, greater works than these will you, you will do. What, what does Jesus going to the Father have to do with us, Christians, disciples of Jesus, doing greater works than him? What happened when Jesus went to the Father? What did he do? He sent his Holy Spirit. That's the fourth little picture on our master's mission poster. Jesus left, but he did not leave us as orphans. I will come to you, he said. This is what it's all about. Jesus gives us his power by giving us his presence through the Holy Spirit. So I don't see Jesus with my eyes, my physical eyes, but I see him with my, my eyes of faith. That my, my eyes, I know he's with me. I know he's working in me and through me. I love what Jesus says, you know, will be, be the result here. Matthew, 20, Matthew 19, 25 to 26, we'll actually finish it this time. And I hope it will mean something to you here. When the disciples heard this, that it would be harder for a rich man to uh, enter the kingdom than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There it is, friend. With God you can do the impossible. With God you can do the supernatural because we have a supernatural God who is able to turn unbelief into faith, hatred into love, and death into life. And he lives in us. I will be with you always to the end of the age. I kind of want to show you what this looks like. And again, I give you biblical examples because they're, <laughs> they're, they're a firm foundation. But I've seen this happen in my own life, through my own life. Just a, f a few examples here. Acts 16, 14. Uh, one who heard us was named L Lydia, was a woman named Lydia. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
Okay, she, otherwise she would not, but, but God opens her heart. And of course, Lydia uh, becomes a disciple of Jesus. First, First Thessalonians chapter one, verses four and five. For we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Understand, again, this, this can happen through you. You speak the words, our gospel came to you, he says. It's like, we, we preach the gospel to you, but it didn't just come in words. It came in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And just to kind of cap it off of what's going on here, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 and 6, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? He's saying we're nothing great. That's what he means by what is Apollos? What is Paul? Nothing great about us. We are simply, he says there, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. This is what it looks like for God to work supernaturally through your life. You open your mouth, you speak the words, you, 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 are, you know, may be shaken, you may be scared, you may not say things perfectly, but it doesn't matter because it's God's supernatural that opens their heart to listen. It comes in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction and God gives the growth as you plant those seeds, as you water those seeds, God gives the growth. He does the supernatural and I truly want us to learn a big lesson here because I, I know that some of you are saying he's talking about the exceptional Christian. I know that some of you are saying, yeah, yeah, yes, that some people can do that, but they're like, you know, a type A outgoing personality. They're fearless. And that's why God can use them in supernatural ways. Listen to me. It has nothing to do with natural personality or natural abilities. Why? Because natural does nothing. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. What you need is supernatural power. And that means no matter your natural abilities, your natural personality, supernatural can still flow through you. I want you to get a hold of that. The mission is impossible for everyone, no matter how smart or eloquent, it's still impossible for them without supernatural power. And that means if we're not the most eloquent, if we're not the most engaging, supernatural power can flow through us just the same because it's about Jesus. You remember who God sent to, to, uh, to Egypt to free the Israelites? Moses, a man who said to himself, I am not eloquent, my, my tongue does not work well. God says, it's not about you. <laughs> I will be with you. I will be with your mouth. I will give you the words to speak and Pharaoh will let them go. Friends, we have the exact same promise right here. I will be with you. Yeah, but God, I'm not eloquent. God, I'm not all that personable. I get, you know, tongue tied in situations like that. And God says, it's not about you. It's about me and I am with you. I will be with your mouth. I will be with your words. I will give you the words to speak and I will accomplish my mission. This is why it's so important to, to understand because it's Jesus working through us, not us just working. Two very different things. 
But there is another practical way I want to show you. Jesus guides and gives opportunities. I I could probably just give a quick summary here. You guys kind of get the idea. Jesus leads our lives in certain directions and brings certain people in our path so that we can share the gospel with them. Jesus does this. I'll read Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. This is just such an obvious example. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, same thing, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Again, this is just a very packed four verses here of God's, Jesus' guidance and his, his opportunities that he gives. He, he first uh, restricts them from going to Asia, then redirects them once again when they go into Bithynia, and then he gives this additional guidance, this vision to go to Macedonia. This is where the opportunity was. And it's, they, they, they recognize it as such, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, you may not uh, know that the Holy Spirit is restricting you and guiding you certain ways. I get that. And, and it's pretty unlikely that you'll have a vision with a person crying out saying, come pre- preach the gospel to me. That's, that's unlikely, I, I, I know. But the exact same thing does happen in our lives. This explicit example is given so that we would understand that this is what's going on behind the scenes all the time in our lives. I make it a point in my life. Um, I, I try to do it kind of as one of the spiritual disciplines. I study God's word. I pray and I try to share the gospel. And so there, there are times, it's, it's not an everyday thing, but that I, that I go out for sharing the gospel. I, I do that regularly. I'll, I'll go certain places that I know I'll have opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. And so that, I'm thankful for that. But what's been interesting is how many times I have gotten to share the gospel when I was not planning on sharing the gospel. It has been interesting how many times it's when I have been out of my normal pattern and rhythm. It's been interrupted. Either I needed work on my house, my car broke down, I had to run to the store real quick to grab something, and then boom, there I am at this place, and then this person comes along. And I sort of maybe get into a conversation, and then before you know it, I feel this tugging in my heart, this burden, this gospel burden that I must unload. And I'm, again, I don't hear audible voices. I don't all of a sudden get a vision, you know, black out and then wake up and share the gospel. I, I just know that Jesus wants me to share the gospel with this person. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't planning on it. That's not why I left the house, but it happened. And that's what Jesus does. We may not see it, we may not realize it until afterwards, but Jesus guides us and he gives us opportunities to share the gospel. Supernatural power, guidance and opportunities to share the gospel. 
But I want to get super practical and a little bit personal now. Because here, here's what the fact is. All the supernatural power, all the opportunities in the world will make no difference in you fulfilling the master's mission if your heart is not on the master's mission. What good does it have uh, what good does it do to have supernatural power if you're not even sharing the gospel? What good does it do to have opportunities come your way as God guides you to a place and a person? What good does that do if you still say, I'm too busy, I'm too afraid, I'm too apathetic to do this? I would say, that the first and most troublesome barrier each of us will find in fulfilling the master's mission is us. It's me, it's you. You will be the greatest barrier. But here's the beautiful thing. You are not a barrier that Jesus can't overcome. My heart that is so inclined to laziness and ease and self-protection and self-acclaim, I don't want people to think badly of me. Jesus can transform my heart. And that's the third way I want to show you. Jesus can transform our heart. Jesus transforms our hearts and makes it to where rather than just being indifferent, we engage on the master's mission. Rather than living in the fear of what might happen and how they might respond, we walk in faith that Jesus can and will use us, that he can and will bless us in our efforts. And we start to say, you know what? I'm not too busy to do the most important task in the world that my God and my Savior, my King has given me. That, that's, that's how this works uh, I just want to show you there, Philippians 2.13. Again, we'll look at uh, 12 and 13 here in a moment, but I just want you to see this. Your heart is not too big of an obstacle for Jesus. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I mean, that is marvelous news for me because my heart doesn't always want to do what Jesus wants me to do. In fact, it never wants to do what Jesus wants me to do without him working in me. But Jesus not only gives us the power to work, to be on his mission, but also the will, the desire as well. God, friend, is working in you both to work, will and to work for his good pleasure. And I kind of just want to tell you what that will look like. The primary thing Jesus will do for you in transforming your heart is that he will cause you to love his glory and the spread of his glory more than you love your life. That's what has to happen. The reason that we don't share the gospel, the reason we don't go out on the master's mission, the reason we don't take the opportunities when they come is that we love our lives more than we love Jesus and the spread of his gospel. Again, we say, ah, I really don't want to trouble myself with that. I'm afraid of how they'll respond. I don't, want, I don't want them to think badly of me. 
me. I'm too busy building my kingdom, building my bank account, building my status at work. I am too busy to stop and get on mission. But this is the beautiful thing. It's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that means he can make you more zealous for the spread of the gospel than you are about your football team. More worried about building up the kingdom and filling up the kingdom than you are with filling up your bank account. More worried about what will happen to that person if they don't trust in Jesus than you are what will happen to you if you share Jesus. This is what Jesus can do. He can make you love his glory, love the spread of his glory more than you love your own life. The comfort, the ease, the schedule, the plans. This is what Jesus does. He pushes us out. And you say, Jeff, that's, that's crazy. No, that's not crazy. What Jesus said is pick up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Those who would save their life will lose it, he said. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. He's not talking about martyrdom. He's talking about your daily life. That is where you will find the life you're looking for. As you treasure Jesus more than your own life and everything that makes up your life, this is where it happens. And so you think about the flow here. Your heart gets transformed. Jesus guides you and brings the opportunities. You speak from a heart that loves him more than your life. And then Jesus works supernaturally through you. This is how Jesus will accomplish the mission, the, the, the great commission through normal people like you and I, through mere mortals, incapable people, is his presence, his power working in us and through us. This is the only way it will happen. And it's the only way that it will happen. It, it is going to happen. But there is one more thing I want you to understand before you leave here today. Because you, you walk out there and say, boom, I'm going to do the works that Jesus did and even greater than him. This is good news. This does not happen on accident. In fact, I would say this isn't even automatic in the Christian's life. That just because we trust in Jesus, just because the spirit of Jesus dwells in us, it does not mean that the power of Jesus will be working in us to transform our hearts or through us. It doesn't. It is not automatic. And so something more needs to happen. And this is number three. We must be filled with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you get the Holy Spirit again or anything like that. You know, Jesus dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, but we got to be filled with Jesus I once uh, knew a man who used to say it like this. He said, I want to be so filled up with Jesus that when you tip me over, Jesus comes spilling out. That's what I'm talking about. He not only lives in me, but he's living through me. I I'm so filled with the things of Jesus that when you shake me, when you tip me over, Jesus comes pouring out. Now we look again at the passage, we, we uh, oh, I already had it on the screen, sorry. Reverse isn't working. I don't know where I am. Yep, there we go. 
All right, so this is, this is 12 and 13 of that passage. You know, it's God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Well, look at how that starts. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The fact that Jesus is in you and will be working in you does not mean you don't have to work. It means your work will be successful. Jesus being in you and having his presence and, and working to change your heart doesn't mean you don't have to, to spend time with him. It means he will make that time fruitful and effective. See, the, the master's mission and, and the way Jesus empowers us for us isn't like he just magically zaps us with supernatural power. It doesn't work that way because it's not magic, it's relationship. These are kind of just some comparisons I wanna do here. The power of Jesus is not magical, as though it just happens, poof, but relational. It's a relationship that's built with, built with Jesus, and that means that we need to be doing relationship with the one that dwells in us in order to experience his power. Jesus' power is not an act you perform. You don't just go out there and say, okay, I'm just going to do it. It's not an act you perform, but a person living through you. And so that means you need to find your life and your power in him. You seek him. You draw from him as the branch draws from the vine. And Jesus' power is not something you master, but something that masters you. It's something that over and over again, we as disciples of Jesus are coming to him to be trained, to be transformed, to be shaped into the type of people he wants us to be. And the good news is, as we work out our salvation, he is working in us, both to will and to work. And as we go out to work, the word comes out of our mouths, but it comes not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And this is the cycle. We get in relationship. We let Jesus live through us. We let Jesus master us. This all happens. I would say, again, I don't want to oversimplify this, but the primary means God has set up for this to happen is through the study in meditation, application of God's word, and through prayer. You say, read your Bible and pray every day, pray every day. I mean, yeah, it really is th that simple, that if we are not in God's word, then we are not being mastered by Jesus. We're not doing relationship with Jesus. If we're not praying, if we're not spending time in prayer, we're not doing relationship with Jesus. And remember, the Christian life isn't an act we perform, but a person living through us. And so we have to be doing relationship with him. I am convinced that the reason so many Christians don't experience the power of Jesus in and through their lives is because they forsake relationship with Jesus. You may have entered into a relationship with Jesus via, you know, faith, salvation, but you've kind of treated it like a Facebook friend. You know, I, I added them, but after that, you know, I, I don't know. I, have, I don't know what's even going on with them anymore, you know. That's not how it can be with Jesus. 
He becomes our savior, our king, our friend, and then we do relationship with him. That's the only way we'll be transformed by him. That's the only way we will be energized by his power is to daily, regularly spend time with him. And again, uh, I mean, this, we are leaky vessels, right? You fill us up with Jesus and, and we're continually running out. We're continually, so each day we need to come to Jesus, this well of living water through his word, through prayer, to do relationship with him. I, I don't want to tell you that you're going to sit down in your, your bedroom or you know, at your dining room table, you're going to open your Bible and just fireworks, the words are going to pop off the, off the Bible. That's generally not how it even goes you know, for me almost, you know, like it's generally a very mundane uh, thing for me as I study God's word. But the fact is over time, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, right? That was our behold series last year. It's only as we behold his glory over and over and over again. It's only as we see his acts, his salvation, his grace. It's only as we see his promises. It's only as we see his commands and the characteristics that should be in our lives over and over again as we're saying, this is God speaking to me. And then we come to him in prayer saying, saying God, thank you so much. I see now from your word, what a wretch I am, but I see how much you have loved me and I see the sacrifice you have paid for me. And you're doing this relationship. Then you're saying, God, you've saved me, you've redeemed me, but I need to keep on changing. I got these areas, God. And you're coming to him saying, God, I struggle with this and I struggle with this. Would you change this? I commit to it, but would you change me? And then we say, God, you have created me to be fruitful. Would you make me fruitful? I can't do it myself. Have you ever thought about that? I, I mean, there are, there are some inanimate objects that God did not create to be fruitful, like a rock is not fruitful, if you will. But, but all the, the living beings that God has created are created to be fruitful, right? So a plant makes more plants and, and even some plants actually bear literal fruit. An apple tree bears apples. God created it to bear fruit. If it never bears fruit, there's something wrong with that apple tree. You think about animals. Animals are fruitful, meaning they, they, they multiply, right? Humans in our, in our very human state are to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We reproduce. Now, doesn't it make sense that all the living beings in God's creation are made to be fruitful? That when God recreates us into spiritually living beings that he would be recreating us to bear spiritual fruit. That is to replicate, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with Jesus lovers, disciples of Jesus. Does that not add up? It is a beautiful thing that we are not left to ourselves. Douglas was talking about it in worship. He doesn't just say, all right, guys, you go figure it out. He says, no, I am with you always. I'll give you supernatural power. I'll give you guidance and opportunities. And I will even overcome your sinful heart, this, this remaining sin in you. I will overcome it. But you got to come to me too. Jesus isn't avoiding you. 
He's not hard to find. He is in you and he has spoken to you in his word and he is always available in prayer. And through that, we abide in him and we become fruitful. Jesus said all this so well in John chapter 15. He said, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's talking about relationship. That's talking about learning discipleship under him. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. So you got Bible and you got prayer. My words abide in you. Ask, pray, whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Do you see my entire sermon in that passage? I do. We are utterly incapable. Without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you will bear much fruit. You will be successful in this mission. You will be fruitful, but it will not happen unless you are abiding, unless his words abide in you and you're asking whatever you wish for it to be done for you. It has to happen that way. It's not, we're not robots that Jesus programs. It is a relationship that we enter into with Jesus. Then his power flows in us, changing us, making us the sort of people who would be on mission. And then as we go on mission, he makes our efforts fruitful. I am so sure of this principle that it is biblical, that it is true, that it's been real in my life, that, it, that it's you know, changed everything for me. I'm so sure of this, that that's why we're doing this month, this January month of prayer, fasting, and feasting. See, this is our chance to say, I'm not going to try to live out of my own power. I'm not gonna try to accomplish the impossible by my own. I'm gonna come to Jesus and let him speak to me through his word each and every day. And I'm going to talk back to Jesus in prayer. I'm gonna talk to him. I'm gonna let him know my needs. I'm gonna let him know my wants. I'm gonna let him know my struggles. God, Jesus, I'm afraid of sharing the gospel because of what they'll think of me. I know it's petty, but would you change me? <laughs> would you help me to love you more than I love my life? You do this. And Jesus works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are so sure of this that I'm so hopeful that you will all commit to this month of prayer, fasting, and feasting. Of course, fasting only if that's something uh, that you can and should do medically. And again, fasting, skipping a meal is not the point. It's, it's humbling ourselves before God and saying, I want to hunger for you, God. That's what fasting is. It's saying, I need you like the branch needs the vine. I, I just wanna sum this up. You cannot do it on your own, but you absolutely can do it by the power Jesus provides. But you gotta spend time with him. You gotta plug into him. You gotta do relationship with him through his word, through prayer, and then throughout the day, live out of that relationship. Let's pray.